This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Virtuous Coach Podcast. All right, what's going on, you guys? And welcome to the Virtuous Coach Podcast. In today's episode, I am completely stealing a format that I learned um, that I actually had heard done last year by Mr. Alex Hormozzi. His podcast is called The Game. And for a long time, he was in the gym space. He was responsible for, you know, probably more million dollar gym owners than any other gym style mentor out there. And he did a podcast, and he's pretty much done it every year that he basically called lessons and failures. And he talked about inside of it how he would basically email himself any sort of lesson or failure that he had. And he had this ongoing thread of lessons and failures that he got throughout the year. And he would always go back and review them and he would always come to the end of the year and be able to look back and see his growth. It was kind of like his form of you know, journaling, if you will. And when I heard all of the lessons and failures that he had, I thought it was just this amazing concept that if I put it into play too, I could be able to remind myself throughout the year and at the end of the year, just all of the things that I learned, all the mistakes that I made and be able to look at it on the other side and see all of the things that were able to come from it. Um, so in this episode, I'm going to basically read through all of the lessons and failures that I had. The way that I decided to do it was uh, I use this thing in my everyday life called the Life Organizer. It's basically like a Google Sheet where I've got just kind of basically key items that I want to get finished throughout the week. I usually pick like four or five, but I've got kind of like a running to-do list. I've got an idea list and I've got things that I've delegated out and it's just a spreadsheet. But inside that spreadsheet, I have this lessons and failure document hyperlinked. And what I would do is anytime that I experienced a failure, I would go in and I would write about it and I would just simply just list what had happened and just a couple key items about the particular instance that it went on. And then I would write down just cool lessons that I acquired along the way. And, um, I started this, it was probably March or April of 2022, and at the time of recording this, we are December 29th, and we're getting ready to wrap up basically 2022. So I've got probably 20 to 30 lessons in failures in here, um, and, and obviously there's way more lessons in failures that I had, but these are just ones that were very significant to me and were significant enough for me to go into my document and to put these things in there. So if you're listening to this out there and you are a business owner, a coach, anything of that nature, this has been probably one of the most insightful things that I've done in my most recent history as far as from a growth and development standpoint. And I would encourage you to do the same. Again, I've I've used a Google Doc. Alex always talked about he would use an email thread. I believe now he uses um, Twitter as kind of like his ongoing just consciousness of ideas that he has. Uh, So, you know, whatever method you choose, just pick one that you would likely stick to and do consistently and then do it throughout the year. Write down any lesson that you have, any sort of failure that you have and just see what you can kind of come up with. So if you're coming to this show, these are going to be all the things that I learned and all the mistakes that I made and uh, what basically come through it. I'll tell a little story about each one. I have no idea how long this episode is going to last. So uh, if this is something you get to come back to off and on and to, to finish it out, I would definitely encourage you to do that. You can learn from the mistakes that I made and you can just kind of just piece off uh, lessons that I was able to acquire throughout this year. I'm, I plan on doing this every single year and I'll do a wrap up at the end of the year of just all the things that I come up with. Um, so again, before we hop into today's show, do me a favor. I always ask for a screenshot because it gives me an opportunity to get this podcast in front of more eyes. 
So as a shameless plug, please, please, please take a screenshot of this episode and then post it on your Instagram story. And if that allows one, two, three of your friends to be able to see what you're listening to and maybe go give it a listen themselves and if they find it valuable to stay here, um, I would greatly appreciate you for that. So again, take that screenshot, post on your story, and then let's go ahead and hop into today's content really quick. I'm going to take a quick sip, sip of coffee. Mm, that's good coffee. An uncaffeinated Cody is not a happy Cody. So um, let's go ahead and jump into it. So first lesson. Um, so the lesson that I wrote down was I broke everything in my business this year, my beliefs, systems, and processes. This growth brought me problems with, um, with them, and that is completely normal. Um, what's really cool about this is I think sometimes people expect themselves to be able to grow <clears throat> and to be able to advance their life and all these different things. They, they think that this is going to be something that is going to be done easy and without failures and really realistically consequences that come with it. The way that I kind of got ahead of this, I decided at the beginning of 2022 that this was going to be the year that I would not run away from failure. And I would almost expect it and embrace it as just part of my process. And what was very, very cool with this is I shared these insights with my team. I, we had a meeting at the beginning of last year in January. It was probably the second week of January. And I sat everybody down. What we like to do at the beginning of our year meetings is we kind of just look at the past year mistakes that we made. I allow my team to kind of speak freely about <clears throat> just things that they see as far as like ways that we can grow. And um, something that came from it was we sat down, we revisited our core values, we rewrote mission, we talked about kind of the history of the gym and where we're going, kind of the vision that I had as far as what the year was going to bring us. But the most important thing was, is I told them that this year I was going to fail as quickly as I possibly can. We would change things, modify things, and it would happen over and over and over again. And I was going to do it at a relentless pace. And I just wanted them to be kind of in the know that that was going to be what was going to happen. We were going to get into doing Facebook and Instagram advertising. We were going to bump up ad spend on Google. And, you know, I had this more obligation that I feel like anybody that spends their money at another gym is basically wasted money. So if you're a gym owner out there listening to this, it's just how I feel, take it how it is. And I would even encourage you to think the same way. You have to think that your thing is the best. It's the only way that you're going to truly do anything cool in your life <clears throat> or do anything cool with your business. So at the beginning of the year, I said, hey, I'm going to change every single thing that I see fit inside of this business that is going to make it more valuable to the end user and allow us to acquire more people into our community. And I was going to do it at a pace that sometimes was going to be random. It was going to be varied. It was going to be at the drop of the hat. If something just feels like it's the wrong way, rather than me trying to force it to make it work, I was going to change it on a dime. We're actually doing that literally right now with um, some ways that we deliver programming and we're going to be going to, uh, actually, you know what? I'm just going to make another episode for that, but <clears throat> we're going to be changing programming and kind of the format of that. And I just decided randomly on a Thursday that this is what was going to happen. I met with my team the next day and we decided a date to push this thing out. And what was really cool was that the amount of pushback that I get from my team is so much more limited now because they just expect it. They know that that is just what is going to happen. And they know that and they trust me because I share with them all of the insights that I have and all the reasons why I'm doing things. And it never comes as a surprise. They, they, they have the expectation and the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The precedent was set that we are going to change and we are going to fail as quickly as we can. So that was the first lesson. 
And I talked way too much on that one, but it is what it is. All right, second one. This was a failure. I was doing lots of the wrong work. I'd basically been doing work nonstop and doing tons of work daily, but my situation wasn't changing. So the lesson was, if you're doing a lot of work daily, but nothing is changing, you're doing the wrong work. I'm going to read that again because you need to really take that in. If you are doing lots of work, if you are if you are hashtag hustling, hashtag grinding every day, but nothing is changing, you are doing the wrong work. That really resonated with me because last year I, I got away from my one thing. My one thing is I am a gym owner and I am a person that just wants to help. I'm a person that wants to just share lessons and things that I have learned along the way. I started chasing all these different personal brand things. I started, you know, new podcast that there's a failure in here about that. I've done a number of things, but I got away from my one thing. I am Cody. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a gym owner and I am a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. That's, that's, that's what I do and who I am. That is my thing. And I will be unable to do those things at a high level unless I do those things every single day and nothing else. I got pulled into different directions as far as like business mentoring, all these different things. And every time I got pulled in another direction, my one thing got less and less uh, intense. It got less valuable to people. So um, this kind of of, uh, just thought of just doing the wrong work, even though I was working every single day, my, my, my kind of my setup in life wasn't changing. That was a good perspective to kind of reverse and to go back into my one thing. That's why this podcast is back. I mean, I started two different podcasts last year. Um, again, talk about failing fast, right? I started two different podcasts last year and um, doing lots of recording, setting up interviews and all these different things, which were great, great conversations. But at the same time, that didn't advance my one thing. So again, if you're doing a lot of work daily, but nothing is changing for you, you're doing the wrong work and it's time to course correct. Don't keep doing the same work expecting that I'm just going to do more of the thing that's already not helping me and I'm going to change. The reality is that there is a degree of hustle and a degree of hashtag grind <laughs> that needs to happen, but there has to be there has to be fruit on the other side of that. All right, moving on. Um, lesson, accountability is the key, um, or accountability is key. I spun my wheels all year until I got a coach and got my own support system through my wife, Megan. We committed together and are successful together. So a little bit of context on this. Um, Last year, I'm going to be doing an episode actually here coming up with a guy named Jeremy Miller, who is a running coach. Last year, I decided that I was going to commit to a half marathon. I actually vlogged about the entire process. If If you guys haven't checked out my YouTube channel, I've been putting out vlogs once every one to two weeks for the past few years, or I'm sorry, for the past few months. This was all when I kind of realized I needed to get back to my one thing, and I just wanted to document all the lessons and all the things that I was learning along the way. So um, check out my YouTube channel if you have not already. Um, But for me, it was very interesting that I had been spinning my wheels from a nutritional standpoint and from a fitness standpoint. I mean, I worked out. I wasn't a train wreck. I wasn't eating cakes and pies every single day. I wasn't not training. I was doing things. But to be transparent with you guys, I had no sort of direction. I had no idea where I was heading, what I was doing, and what I was doing for, right? And I realized that for me, the thing that was missing most was having a true target that really fired me up and really lit me up. I mean, for me, I'm not very moved by like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds or I'm going to put on five pounds of muscle. That doesn't move me. I 
have been very competitive for as long as I can remember. I did competitive CrossFit. I fought uh, in amateur mixed martial arts. I participated in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments. Like I've always competed for, I guess, higher stakes type things. And one thing that I realized that um, was missing was just that. I had no sort of thing that I was chasing or I was trying to do. And I basically sat down one day and I did, I did this thing called um, inversion thinking. Um, and what you basically do when you do inversion thinking is you write down like, like for me, it was like, how can I be the best person or how can I be the worst person ever? And I wrote down all these things and just, you know, one of the things that I, that I wrote down was like, never hire a fitness or nutrition coach for myself was it. So basically when you do inversion thinking, you write down a question of like, how can I be the worst, you know, whatever it may be, or how can I never blank? Whatever thing that you want to do, you just think about it in the opposite way. You'll just find that it's easier to think about things or all the negative or all of the opposing ways to get what you want. And then you just simply, well, I just got to do the opposite. So when I wrote down, never hire a fitness and nutrition coach, one of another one was um, never, never become an athlete ever again. It just reminded me of how much I missed being an athlete, how much I missed truly pushing my body and doing hard things every single day. So immediately I got off, had a conversation or got done journaling and texted my wife and had a conversation. And we ended up hiring uh, nutrition coaches for ourselves through um, my buddy, Cody McBroom's company, Taylor Coaching Method. Um, shout out to Cody. Uh, we, we love our coaches, man. Um, Cody's a good friend of mine now. We, he was my business mentor for a lot of years and we ended up just becoming really good friends. And now he's easily one of the best friends that I can ever, you know, and I'm just super grateful for his friendship, but he, um, we, we hired some of his coaches. He, my wife got a coach, I got a coach and we started pushing on that. And then from there I signed up for a half marathon and I decided that at the beginning of my half marathon training that I wanted it to run, that I wanted, I wanted to run a, uh, sub two hour half marathon. And I also wanted to lose some weight during that period of time. Now, listen, if you're a, a science based fitness and nutrition practitioner, I realize that that is not the best use of my time. But for me, I had allowed myself to get up to about 245 pounds, just trying to put on weight and, um, my joints hurt and <clears throat> I needed to lose weight because when you got into those high mileage runs, when you're knocking out eight, 10, 12 miles, it just hurt. Like my, my knees were hurting, my hips were hurting and I needed to get some things, some weight off. So as I got the weight off, I just kind of discovered that like, well, I'm running a little bit faster too. So I wasn't in this huge deficit to where I was really depleted every day, but I wasn't in enough of a deficit to where my running mileage was helping me to lose weight. Same thing was going on for my wife. So we committed to this half marathon together. We did a lot of our runs together. We were running four days per week. You know, when you get deep into a, a half marathon build like that, you some of your work, almost all of your workouts, just running alone, not even counting strength training are going to take you 60 to 90 minutes. Um, and in some cases, two hours. So depending on like how much rest work ratio type things you have going on and speed days and all these different things. But as we got deep into the build, we're training 60, 90 minutes. And, you know, each of us stuck to four. For, I mean, now there were some weeks where I missed my fourth running day. Um, but we each four running days per week on top of strength training, on top of my son playing travel baseball, on top of taking a vacation. I actually ran on vacation four days per week. Like it was very, very cool experience. And my wife at, at time of me recording this is the leanest she's ever been. She is absolutely shredded six pack, just, you, you know, works out in a sports bra and I can't even concentrate because she's just, just looks phenomenal and she's feeling so good in her skin. And the same thing goes for me. And, um, I turned myself into a runner 
which was not something that I would have ever considered. So um, for us, it was having a coach in our corner and holding us accountable, but most importantly, holding each other accountable to our goals. So if you're a person out there and you're struggling with something, where can you find accountability? Where can you go get accountability from somebody that you're either paying for or that you deeply don't want to disappoint. And for me, I had a little bit of both. Do not want to disappoint my wife because she was counting on me to hold her accountable and I was counting on her. And then more importantly, I was paying for a coach. And when you pay, you pay attention. So um, for me, accountability was key. I had spun my wheels for a long time. And for us committing together and committing to coaching and each other, it, you know, it pretty much changed a lot of things for us in our current fitness setup and the way that we approach our day to day. All right, next one. Um, lesson, create content with a problem in mind, add a framework and then tell a story. It's a complete game changer. For me, sometimes I would create things, podcasts, I would create infographics, I would write Instagram captions, I would do all of these things with just things that I thought were cool. And the reality was is the people that you listening to this show, you follow me because you get value from me or because you just find what I say insightful and helpful. And I, and I appreciate you for that. I just know that on the other side of this, for a long time, I created a lot of things that I thought was cool. I would find something in my daily learning because I try to learn something every single day. I would find something in my daily learning that I found to be impactful and then I would just talk about it. And what I kind of realized last year is that the ones that I did and, and, and put out content just about things that I thought to be awesome were not as well, like the reach wasn't as high, the interaction wasn't as much as when I thought about problems that I had discussed with my in-person clients or just through conversations with people or listening to other people's clients' problems. When, I, when you think more... When it comes to creation of content, if you're an influencer, if you're a person that creates content, the biggest thing to remember is that you want to create, you want to create things for people with their problems in mind. Think about all the issues you've had with, you know, clients losing weight or some of the mindsets that are associated to a fitness journey or, you know, a grappling, whatever it may be. Think about all the problems that people have had or have asked you questions about and then create content. Now, not only are you creating content, but you have to create a easily digestible kind of, you know, step-by-step -step process as to how people can take the things that you're recommending and actually put it into practice. I think that inside of the fitness and nutrition space and even in the, the grappling space, I think sometimes people just put things out, but don't actually give people the step-by-step, -step, you know, step one, step two, step three, step four. And doing it in an easily, in easy ways. The people that do put out the step-by-step -step process will put out like a 50-step process as to how to improve something. And then a lot of times people just get lost in the details. So for me, creating something and then giving a step, like you'll find sometimes when I create these shows, I'll say something and be like, okay, so to wrap things up, if you want to X, Y, Z, the first thing you want to do is this. The second thing you want to do is this. The third thing you want to do is this. Make sense? Okay, cool. Like, and it's, I'm just thinking through a framework that you can use and then telling you a story as to how I came up with that framework or how I came to the conclusion of that. Literally, this show is that I go over kind of a piece <clears throat> or a step-by-step -step process you could do. I tell you a lesson or a failure, and then I tell a story as to how I got there. Um, literally, it's the same thing. And what I found is that I was able, able to get more people to take the things that I was talking about and actually put them into play. I'll take a quick coffee break.
Mm -mm, that's good stuff right there, guys. All right, so moving on. <clears throat> um, so that was about creating content. Next one is a failure. This one's tough. <laughs> so if you're, this is uh, for, my, for my, my business folks out there. The failure was, I haven't paid enough attention to my numbers and performances of my team. I assumed things were going well, but they haven't. Um, the amount of times we close new clients, the amount of scheduled clients we get from our ads and sales are not where they could be. The lesson, what does not get tracked doesn't get optimized. Um, what was very interesting is this past year, um, I had the opportunity to fly out to Pennsylvania. Um, my good friend, Jake, he is the front man for August Burns Red. Um, they are fantastic, by the way. If you're a metal person out there and you're listening to this, please, if you've not heard of them, please go check them out. They're fantastic. Jake is a gym owner as well. And I was connected to him through my man, Cody McBroom. And um, he invited us to come out to basically help him to grow his gym and to work with his team. So I, I, I vlogged that whole thing too. It's on my YouTube channel. So we went out to Lancaster, Pennsylvania to his gym called uh, Your Life Gym. And we had the opportunity to mentor his, his team and his coaches and spend an entire weekend with them. Um, as we were flying out there on the way there, I just kind of decided through, you know, some encouragement from some content that I was consuming and some books that I had read that I needed to pay more attention to my metrics and pay like, like, and I'm not just saying like, I always did end of month numbers, but I didn't take a look at like percentages on everything, <clears throat> everything from the total number of, of leads coming in, total number of leads turning into clients, how many people were able to schedule appointments, how many people showed up to those appointments, how much did we make from those appointments, how many of those people that we converted into like a front end program stayed for like a recurring electronic funds transfer type, you know, uh, membership, like how many people were canceling, how many people were holding, and then j just total revenue, total pay, like every single number you can think of in a business that needs to be tracked. I would track some of them on a monthly basis, but usually some of the big ones, not some of the more intricate ones, because like details matter and tracking these details allow me to kind of make some changes. So as I sat there and I looked at all these numbers for the, the previous three months, and I looked at them on a week to week basis and added things together and pulled all this data from all the different softwares that we use, I realized that through not tracking those things, I had ran myself into problems that I didn't even, or I was walking myself into problems in the business that I didn't even know were there. And um, the reality was, is in by me getting complacent, my team was getting complacent. They were <clears throat> not sticking to standards, but neither was I. So through tracking these numbers and sitting down and seeing what the raw, because again, like you can live in this fairy tale land where you think everything is okay, but if you're not tracking any sort of metrics around it, you're going to find yourself in trouble. And, uh, and that goes for everything. I mean, shoot, like in your marriage, if you're not paying attention to how many date nights you have, how many times you're like, literally how many times you're intimate with your wife, are you kissing your wife on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you send her text message? Do you, do you, do you send gifts? Like if you're, if you're not paying attention to the consistency you have around certain things in any walk of life, uh, you know, tracking your, like I could go into a million different <clears throat> instances why this is important. You're just going to fall on your pace or fall on your face. So um, when I was flying out to Lancaster and was going through my numbers, it just kind of smacked me in the face that I had a lot of things to, to do. I had a lot of things to change. And it was a very good insight to track my numbers. So uh, tracking numbers, guys, track everything. Pay attention to any sort of metrics, depending on what sort of journey you're on, and pay attention to those. All right. Um, all right. Next lesson. 
35% of gym, 35% of gyms in the U.S. shut down during COVID. This meant that um, by us staying open and making it to the other side, that we were the cream of the crop. <clears throat> this made me lun- or this made me lazy and comfortable. Time to get back at it. So the lesson there that I want to kind of get across to you guys is that when things get easy, that's when you should go harder. Meaning, we made it through quite possibly one of the most catastrophic, at Virtuous, we made it through one of the most catastrophic events for a fitness, nutrition, and jiu-jitsu business that any that the world had ever seen. And roughly, and take, that, take this in for a second, 35% of gyms in the U.S., or I'm sorry, was it the U.S.? 35% of gyms in the U.S. shut down, didn't make it to the other side. Some of the the biggest and brightest kind of business thinkers out there would say that that is attributed to basically entrepreneurs and gym owners and and things of that nature that ran their businesses as hobbies and not as businesses. And um, obviously, I can attest to that. Like for a long time, I ran my gym as a hobby, and then I realized that it needed to be more of a business. And then as I made it a business, um, things started to improve. But the reality was, is like I hung myself... I, I, I hung my pursuit and I hung the amount of daily work that I was doing based off of that one big win, right? And, the, and you can see kind of through my lessons that, you know, I didn't track my numbers. I started working on other things. Like it just all of these lessons kind of came together. And um, when I realized that all these gyms closed and we stayed ahead, I thought that that meant I had it figured out and I can let my foot off the gas. But the reality is, is like what you, you're only... You can't rely off of one win. You have to keep winning and keep moving because the world is growing. The world is changing. The world is always improving. Inflation is happening. And you have to stay ahead of that at all times. There's no time you can, in the business world, there is no time you can take your foot off the gas. If you do, you will fail. And I thought that because I had won and I had stayed open and even became more profitable on the other side of the shutdown that I was basically, I had made it. And the reality was, is I had not. So um, that was a good lesson for me to kind of remember that I have to keep hustling. I have to focus back in on the things that matter. And I have to keep pushing, pushing my rock uphill because it's always uphill. It never, things will never get easy. And I can't hang myself on just my most recent win. I have to keep winning. All right. Uh, next failure. I have I had too much grace with my team members. <clears throat> um, I was talking with one of my coaches about how I give everyone grace, and um, but some need it more than others, and um, that actually showed me that I give favor to people on my team, and I have given too much grace to people, um, and that it had to change. I needed to face this head on immediately. The reality, what the reality is, is that there is a degree of grace that needs to come in 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 leadership. There is a degree of I have to allow people to make mistakes. But what I found myself doing was allowing certain people to make the same mistakes over and over again, and not nipping them in the bud, and kind of staying away from it, and not approaching these people. And that was a good leadership lesson. Is that I kind of came to this conclusion as I was just kind of talking it through with one of my team members, is that I can't. I can't allow myself to give, I had, everybody has to be held to the same standard, no matter 
no matter who they are or what their background is, because the, the business and the mission come first, everything else comes second. And if they're not able to push the mission and to help the business in the right way, they need to get off the ship for now. It doesn't mean that I am feeling a certain negative way about them or I'm going to resent them or any way, shape or form. It just means that they are not a good fit for the business at, you know, whatever current time we're going through. So that, re that was a good <clears throat> reminder to me that it's okay to give grace, but it's not okay to let repeated things happen where I've given grace previously. All right, next lesson. Um, Self-confidence is built by keeping promises to yourself. Um, I, I Basically, I was reading Ed Milet's book, uh, Max Out, and um, as I did that, my, my wife was walking on the treadmill, and I basically thought about how... Um, how we stuck to our half marathon plan or how, how we stuck to our mar half marathon plan. And, um, now I just felt like a, like a bad dude, like a dude that could just like crush anything and, you know, just be on top of the world and I could do anything. I had, you know, for, for us, we were not runners. That was not something we ever had chased before, but, um, we kept the promise to ourselves that we were going to do this and we were going to accomplish this thing. And, no matter what, no matter what the day threw at us, we still stuck to the promises that we made to ourselves, And it helped me to build this insane level of self-confidence during that process. So if you're a person out there that is lacking in self-confidence, it just means that you are not sticking. You don't trust yourself because you don't keep to the promises you made to yourself. So um, just something to consider. If you want more confidence, make a promise to yourself and um, don't let things go. All right, next lesson. Um, have a talent-dense team. How, having a talent-dense team is the best way to create an exceptional service. Um, having just one single underperformer can completely change the dynamic. Talent wants to be around other talent. That was huge for me. And you can see how this feeds into the previous thing about having grace with people and having more with others. <clears throat> one of my team members realized that it is unsat based off of our mission and our core values for us to have one underperformer on our team because it makes and reflects or it makes the rest of us look bad and it reflects negatively on the team as a whole when we've got one sour apple or we have one person underperforming. <clears throat> if they're it, like making sure that I hold a standard for my team and hold everybody to the same standard and keeping the density of talent extremely high not only creates a better service at Virtuous, but it also shows when other people are not stepping up to the plate and, hold, and, and pulling their own weight. And if you have a, a, a team of go-getters and a team of elite performers like we do at Virtuous, the people that are not elite performers will stick out like a sore, like a sore thumb and will be weeded out very, very quickly. And this isn't to speak badly of you know any team member out there or any, you know, uh, any person that leads the team, you'd be thinking about a couple people on your team right now that just quite aren't quite up to snuff. I would encourage you to either have a very hard conversation or to get rid of them because if you don't, that will pollute and um, disrupt the entire team kind of uh, setup that you have in a negative way. All right, moving on. Um, here's a failure. <clears throat> um Instilling a culture of candor in my team did not exactly take. I gave them no framework to work from. Um, so the lesson was that I need to teach them how to 
basically give feedback to each other. What I kind of learned with this and why <clears throat> I, felt this was a, I, I felt that this was a failure for me is that I encouraged everybody to speak the truth to each other and to practice radical candor and to basically call each other out on things. Again, number one, you can see from a previous failure that I had not exactly done that and you can kind of see how this reflected in my team as a whole. I had a lot of people though that did embrace that and were giving radical candor out and that were giving that feedback and, and having hard conversations with each other. But the reality was is they were shooting all over people. Now, let me explain. Something would happen and one team member felt kind of encouraged to tell another team member of the thing that they were doing wrong. But the problem was is that they were giving each other feedback on things that were happening and expecting that team member to have to take it and then also had to expect that team member to uh, implement it right away and um, not exactly get a solution for people. So I had said in the past that don't bring problems, bring solutions. But I had failed to basically relay that in the sense that you can't just give somebody negative feedback. You have to give them negative feedback and then how they can make the thing that is negative positive. So... Um, I read a book. I'm, I'm, the, the name is escaping right now. Let me kind of see if I have the... the um, oh, so No Rules Rules. It's basically about the CEO, or, um, it's the CEO of Netflix talking about how they built their team and how they built some um, great culture inside of their business. <clears throat> and what he basically did is he created a framework for people to give each other feedback. And um, so here's kind of the framework that they put out. Number one, aim to assist. That is basically when you give somebody feedback on something, you have to give them feedback from the perspective of you are trying to help that person to improve at their craft. So for us as coaches, when we give feedback to each other, we have to give feedback in the sense that, hey, you know, so, hey, uh, hey, Johnny, you, in that last session, you forgot to warm up the lower body and they had squats. Um, we want to make sure you don't want to be that coach that's labeled as the guy that, you know, gets people hurt, right? Like you're, you're trying to assist them. And maybe that wasn't the best example, but that's just going to be off, off the cuff right now. Um, so aim to assist. The second piece is actionable advice only, meaning, hey, Johnny, you um, missed the, the warm up on that lower body um, in the last session. Um, here's what I think you could... Uh, here could be a good option for you to, to kind of just throw something in quick for their lower body. Um, now, from the, this, is from the, this is from Johnny receiving the feedback. So aim to assist, actionable advice. Next one is appreciate. Appreciate from the receiver, that is. Meaning, person receiving feedback. You have to say thank you to your person that has given you that feedback as long as the context was right, as long as the... Um, you know, the, there's a mutual understanding of they would never say something to you unless it was meant to help to assist you or they believed it would be helpful, and you have to show appreciation for that person. Um, um, now, the last piece is accept or discard, meaning as the person receiving the feedback, you have to either accept it or deem it to be not, you know, something actionable or, or not something that would be, was... Um, you just have to make sure that you are either accepting that advice or discarding it and only discarding it if it was not helpful. And then as the person giving the advice, you have to be okay with that person discarding it or accepting it. You can't just think because you think something is right or think something is better that that person also has to deem it as right or better. And you have to be okay with that. You can only, you know, 
what they say, lead a, you can only lead a horse to water, you can't expect them to drink. And that's where it's kind of on the upper leadership to when sort of these sort of conversations are happening. If that person is constantly discarding and maybe it's not right for them to discard, um, then those conversations need to be need to come down from the top leadership. So real quick, the framework for giving feedback that we adopted is number one, aim to assist. Number two, actionable advice only. Number three, appreciate. And number four, accept or discard. <clears throat> All right, moving on from there. Um, this is a quick one, quick lesson. It takes about 20 hours to get proficient at most anything. Um, so if you're going to learn something new or you're going to get better at something, you might as well get your timer going. This actually came right from uh, Alex Ramosi, and it's something that, it's, that I've embraced. Um, I think mostly back to when I started podcasting a number of years ago. It was very, like right now, I've been talking to myself for 36 minutes, right? In the past, it was very overwhelming for me to even have any sort of talk that was five to 10 minutes long, right? I didn't know how to tell stories. I didn't know how to teach frameworks. I didn't know how to recap things. I would say, um, and, and I'm not perfect at this now, but I would say, um, a lot and lots of like weird, awkward pauses. Like I took myself a little too seriously, right? But as I got, I did more and more interviews. I did more and more solo episodes. It's probably safe to say that around 10, 12, 15, 20 episodes in, if they were all about an hour long, I got very pro proficient in having conversations by myself and being able to talk and be good at podcasting. So I think and that's self-proclaimed good at podcasting. You guys may have other opinions out there, but um, you know, this is my show. I'll say what I want. So um, to get better at something, it takes roughly on average about 20 hours. So that whether that's video editing, whether that's Brazilian jiu-jitsu, whether that's uh, making content, doing photography. I mean, doing something for around 20 hours. If I can think across the board about all the things that I've ever tried to learn how to do, um, when it, when it came to running after about 20 sessions, my running had been fairly proficient. I wasn't, you know, running crazy fast splits or anything like that, but I definitely was faster. So if you're looking to learn something new, just think rather than getting overwhelmed by not understanding the thing currently, just simply get going and moving and get that 20 hour timer going. All right. Um, moving on. <clears throat> Failure. Um, let's see here. Okay. Uh, failure. I worry too much about my team's feelings. Sorry guys, if you're listening to this, but it's just, it is what it is. I worry too much about my team's feelings and not enough about the mission. Sometimes the mission will take precedence over my team's wants and desires. That has been a very huge one in the sense that sometimes, you know, my team, other teams out there can get too attached to a way a thing should be or could be instead of the way that the thing needs to be. And um, that sometimes will come with hurt feelings. But if you stick to just always letting your team know what the mission is and why, you know, we're, ma we're making certain things happen a certain way, then when you, when you have to make changes that may ruffle feathers or hurt feelings, the team understands or your team understands that, the reality is, is that the mission will not move forward if we stick to what we want and what we desire. And that is unsat in any sort of business, any sort of like business setup here. The, the, for us, Virtuous has to continue to improve and to continue to grow. And if that comes at the expense sometimes of somebody's feelings getting hurt, then it's just a reality and it has to happen that way. All right, next failure. Um, 
this goes back to the numbers. This was another reminder with it is I don't know my numbers um, and haven't been staying consistent with them. And when my business is struggling, I often have no clue why and what to fix. More of the story, tracking numbers. This was my reminder to myself throughout the year that I can't just track my numbers. Sometimes I have to do it all the time. <sighs> all right, this is a hard lesson. If you're a business owner out there, it, this one's going to hit, okay? When people do not stay at my business or want to buy, it means I either didn't show them enough value or give them enough value to stick around. That is a tough pill to swallow, but it's the reality. If you want people to stay, be better. That really hit for me because if you really think about it, if you are a coach, if you are a business owner, shoot, if you're a, 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 you know, a guy or a lady and you're trying to date somebody, if a person wants to be with you, they'll be with you. The same way that if in, in a gym or in a, a sales consult or something like that, if a person wants what you have, they'll buy. If a person wants your gym, they'll stay. And if they're not staying, if they're not buying, if the person isn't staying with you, if your, your wife or your husband's divorcing you, it becomes somewhere along the way, they deemed you no longer, um, not acceptable, that's not the right word. They deemed you no longer desirable and that's on you. And it's nothing you can really do about it. And, and at the root of it, I know that that's going to, that may hurt your feelings because everybody wants to believe that they're, you know, especially in the gym industry, everybody believes their gym's the best, their culture's the best, their community's the best, their sales process is the best, their apparel's the best, their programming's the best. Like all of the thing is the best, best, best. Like literally if this podcast was as good as I want it to be, or was the greatest thing in the world, I would have a million downloads every single day, but I don't because I am not good enough yet at podcasting. And that's Okay. Same thing in a, business, in a business world or in relationships. If you were good enough, and, and, and again, like we all want to believe that we, you know, we got our truth, we got our belief in that we are good enough, you are enough, blah, blah, blah. If you were enough, you would have the things that you wanted, period. If my gym was good enough, I would have the things that I wanted, period. So the reality is, is that um, for me to continue to hold on to people inside of my business we had to get better. We had to be so good that people would be dumb to say no. So that's where we've kind of been working towards here. And this was the reality for me. And it was a fantastic lesson. And although it stung a little bit, it was a good reminder. All right. Um, this is a pretty cool lesson. It's a one-liner. You probably put this on a t-shirt or a coffee mug, guys. Lesson, to live a rare life, you have to do rare things and be, along, be around rare people. <laughs> that's the truest statement that has ever been said. If you want to live a life of exceptional things, of exceptional experiences, of exceptional wealth, of exceptional anything, you have to do exceptional things and you have to be around other people that are also exceptional. You have to set yourself up success. So the lesson here, write this down, guys. To live a rare life, you have to do rare things and be around rare people. All right, moving on. Lesson. I've lost leverage over myself, meaning I got to a certain level of success and proved the, fictitious per, the, and proved the fictitious person wrong. And I don't have the next one. I satisfied my first motivational urge and I don't have another yet. For me, this was a good reminder because I had got to a plate. I, I had basically set goals for myself and self, set aspirations for myself. And then once I got to them, I stopped pushing. And you can see kind of how, like I said before, like I got complacent. A lot of it was like, 
I had realized throughout the year that all the things I wanted to buy, all the relationships, all the relationships, uh, relationships I wanted to create, all of the, you know, the, the monetary wins, the spiritual wins, I'd like satisfied all of the targets for myself. And I hadn't set another target that was worthwhile for myself to keep pushing. Um, so for me, I had to create another motivation. I had to create another thing for me to be disciplined for. Um, I've done that since then, but back then it was a good realization. Uh, all right, lesson. Um, you can only make progress when you start with the truth. This has been the truth in my business. I thought everything was going well, and then boom, more issues. Um, it's so amazing for me kind of reading through these, just kind of reminding myself of like the journey of this past year. But um, sometimes I would ignore certain things that were happening <clears throat> and would pretend they weren't there and lived in this fairy tale land instead of the truth of the matter of what was going on and what thing needed to be approached. And this was a good thing because I kind of, at a certain point this year, I ran into payroll issues. I'd gotten to this place where I just let hours go crazy. I didn't say anything. I just let, you know, coaches work extra hours that weren't hours that were, you know, business growing opportunities. And for me, this was the reality of like, the truth of the matter was, is we were not a, you know, we weren't wealthy enough as a business to just allow people to do whatever they want. The constraints of payroll still actually mattered to me and I needed to adjust those. Lesson, if your behavior or daily execution doesn't change, from the result of reading a book, learning a concept, or consuming content, you're wasting your time. Create your own frameworks and ways to remember things you learn so you can teach it to other people. You should read a book three to, five, three to five times and truly understand what it is saying before you read another one. I think for me, this is a good reminder because sometimes I find myself consuming content just for the sake of consuming content. I do this thing every day called discover, declare, which is I discover something new and then I talk about it or teach it. I did this, but I always thought that was, I had to discover something new every day. I would just, you know, cruise through books and, you know, consume all these different things every day, go through courses, go to seminars. And I would do it at a rate that was so fast that I wasn't truly implementing some of the things I was learning. I would spend, you know, $10, $15 on a book, but not truly understand the book. And then sometimes I would continue to read a book, although I had already grasped the, the concept already because I wanted to make sure I read it cover to cover. So for me, this was a great reminder of not being impressed by how many books, <clears throat> how many books I read, but how much, how many books I truly understand and could even teach on them. So um, what I would start doing was I would write down kind of the core concepts of each book that I would, um, that I would consume. And I would actually put it as a reminder in my phone every day until I felt I truly grasped the concept. I actually went back and reread the, um, think 10 X from Grant Cardone, just, just reminded of some certain things. And, um, as a perfect example, one thing he said in there that I found to be profound and a very good idea was, Every single day, I have to be willing to do the things that nobody else is willing to do. I have to be willing to do the boring work over and over and over again because the boring work is the one that creates the sustainable income. <clears throat> and I know for me, that meant nurturing leads. That meant um, following up with people. That meant doing the programming. That meant checking with my, the, just the stuff that I had gotten complacent with had to be continued to be done over and over again because that's how you build a solid foundation. Um, so that was a good reminder for me is to... Um, not be 
consuming content for sake of consuming content, but to consume content to truly put it into place. Um, next lesson. I delegated out so much that I had freedom to make more money. However, I did not do enough with that time to make it worthwhile. This was a crazy realization as my director of operations left. So my director of operations this year um, took a couple of vacations. One was to like visit some family. Um, and then the other one was just to, to get away with her husband, you know, and on those vacations, I stepped back into basically the saddle and started doing some of the sales and stuff like that while she was gone. And what I realized is number one, those were profit producing actions and those were making money for the gym. And as you can kind of tell from a previous lesson is like, I was working on things that didn't help to improve my position just to stay busy and to keep working. So this was a cool reminder that, um, if I'm delegating out, delegating out things and acquiring more time in my day to day, I have to turn that thing or I have to turn that time that I'm getting back into, uh, you know, something profit producing. All right. Um, let me see. All right. Failure. I allowed too many processes to slip and for my team to get soft. I nurtured um, an entire list of people in a few days and got stuff done. I found tons of balls dropped and not enough follow-up. This to accept ownership in this, as I went in and started filling into some of these positions while people were away, I realized all the things that were being dropped and all the mistakes that were being made. But for me to come down on anybody, I had to realize that I was doing the same thing and I was actually complacent. And I actually corrected this by not being complacent anymore and by making sure that I did the boring stuff and stuck to the details often. When I did that, my team started doing it too. So that kind of fixed itself. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, this will piggyback off of a previous lesson. Lesson, buying a course, watching a video, or learning new things does not ensure success. It's the, doing of the do, uh, it's the doing of the things from those learnings and lessons that moves the needle. Again, it's not enough to just consume content. It's not just doing the course or learning something new doesn't mean that you're going to be successful all of a sudden. You have to do the thing with the thing that you're learning. Um, lesson, when... Someone says no, a prospect, a new lead. It means I did not establish enough value for them or dig deep enough into their pain that they are experiencing. For us, we, some would argue that we are a high pressure sales type place. And I know people feel a certain way about that, but I'm here to tell you that I don't know many organizations or many service-based businesses that don't have to sell kind of hard to get to move the needle in their business. And, and, and I'll tell you that from the standpoint of sometimes people don't know what they need. And, you know, people may, especially for us in the fat loss community, you know, people think that they're going to do a cleanse or they think they're going to follow this, you know, nutrition diet plan alone with, you know, not having everything they need and they're going to be successful. And the reality is, is they're not. So to make sure that, Sometimes we will use feeling to get the ball rolling in a sales conversation, but we roll them quickly into making the most logical decision. And if in a sales conversation, I do not dig enough into the feeling before I bring in the logic, I'm going to lose that conversation and I'm going to get a no. So to make people understand the value that they are receiving from the thing that I'm trying to sell them, I have to establish that through the conversation, through feeling and through getting them to understand that the pain they're experiencing can go away and then roll in and make it and show them 
that signing up with our service, our program, our business is the next most logical thing that they can do to solve their problem. All right, next one. Lesson, discipline versus motivation. Motivation is a short-term fuel that leads to starting something new. Discipline is what gets you across the line. Having or creating discipline is not sexy, it's boring, it's mundane, and it's hard, but it's required. I think sometimes, because people ask me all the time, like, Cody, how are you so motivated? And the reality is, is like, I'm not motivated, I'm just disciplined. I'm disciplined in the sense that sometimes I'm not going to want to do the thing, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm not perfect. And, and there are some times where I, I, I will lack in a certain area. But the reality is, is that motivation, if we're, if we're building a fire, motivation is the small kindling wood that gets the thing going. But discipline and your ability to do things when you don't want to is what is going to carry you over the line. And that's not fun. It's not the sexy thing that the world wants to hear, but it's the reality of it. And it will be required if you want to do anything that is exceptional. All right. Um, okay. Failure. I completely failed at evaluating and holding people to a standard in our group sessions. Um, this began to seek in with our payroll problems and through conversations between October and November. Um, I admitted my failure and I worked to relentlessly fix it. Since then, guys, I have evaluated my team. Um, just about everybody on my team has been evaluated and had feedback and we have course corrected there. So that was a cool reminder. Um, sometimes I think for us, Again, it seems as I'm going through this that the, the, the biggest lesson kind of, you know, summary of my year was just complacency, and um, that is not going to happen in 2023. Next lesson, the best leaders make decisions fast and based off of their gut. Every time I have done that this year, it has made us more successful and better. If you're a leader out there, guys, and you, a lot of leaders, you don't get to where you are or certain positions in most cases without having good intuition. The problem for me that I realized is that I would get to us, I, I got to where I am through just making decisions and not worrying so much about those decisions and being okay with them being wrong sometimes. And I think from that, I made a lot of good decisions. So this year reminded me that sometimes I have to just make decisions fast without all the information I need. And it's, it's going to be better to make a decision than to let the decision be made for me. Um, <laughs> this is a, a big lesson in why this podcast is back. Um, this past year, I hired an unnamed podcast company to help me to create a podcast. And it was the, big, the biggest cluster fluff <laughs> that I've ever experienced. It was terrible. Um, I basically had a podcast created and they helped me to brainstorm a new name and create a new concept. And they gave me all these kind of things that would make my podcast look really, really good. And then once the podcast creation portion was done, they were gone. And I was left with a bunch of things that I couldn't use with a podcast. I didn't really understand because I was pressured so much to make content um, in quantity and not so much in quality. And it was, a was, you know, was pretty terrible. I started a podcast and, 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 and wasn't able to follow through with it. And that was frustrating. Um, but this failure cost me seven grand this year. And, um, I wanted to sit there and dwell on it, but the reality of it was it just taught me to let go. And I learned a valuable lesson that I can move forward on. Um, sometimes guys, when you try and when you're trying to do big things and, um, you're trying to, to move mountains, the mistakes are going to be bigger and the consequences are going to be higher. And, there's also going to be bigger paydays on the other side of it. So, you know, I spent this money to create a new show and 
hated it and couldn't use it and learned a $7,000 lesson that rather than trying to make this thing work, I'm just going to chalk it up as a failure and, and just keep on keeping on. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, next lesson, doing hard physical stuff feels good. I lost my way over the past three years and got too far into the science thing. And, um, I always talk about this thing called the science to fun continuum. It's something I share with my team a lot about like how sometimes doing things that are fun, you know, the, the really hard challenging style programming and workouts and stuff like that, that actually moves away from science because science lives in the lab. Science lives in this place where we want to optimize everything as much as we can. But the reality is, is that people aren't studies. And I had swung so hard into the science side of physical training that I forgot about the fun side. Um, since coming out of this kind of fog, if you will, this year, like I said, we've talked about the half marathon um, a few times. This year, I ran my second half marathon ever. My first one was almost three hours. It was what kind of prompted the beginning. It was in the beginning of my fitness journey. But I ran a half marathon in an hour and 44, or hour 44 minutes. And that's about a seven and a half to eight minute mile. And I also snatched 102 kilograms. That felt good, guys, to be able to know that I can run a half marathon in under two hours and snatch 102 kilos. I mean, that's not my, I think my best ever snatch was like 117 kilos. So that's not my best ever, but to be able to be on the higher end of endurance and be able to move big weight is felt pretty good. And um, that's just as far as from a confidence standpoint, it feels good to know that I'm both strong and enduring and that I do hard stuff all the time. Um, um, next lesson, changing course or making decisions to change who I am or what I am um, can be done in a second. There's no better time than right now. This actually came, I was reading, uh, I was reading about Paul in, um, in, the, in the Bible in um, uh, the chapter of Luke, and <clears throat> something they talked about there is that Paul was basically, I believe it was Paul, I could be wrong guys, if you're a Bible person out there, if I'm getting the name wrong, it was one of the um, one of uh, Jesus's disciples, but he basically said Jesus had said that you know Paul was a he was a swindler he was a uh, a liar he was basically taking robbing the robbing the poor robbing the, just anything he was doing all the things that would be considered to be sinful, and then when Jesus asked him to follow him he just changed immediately and I think for me that reminded me that. I can be anything I want or and I can change who I am immediately. And those who matter won't care. You know, the, those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Like that whole thing really resonated with me because it just reminded me that if, if I just decided one day I wanted to be more heavily involved with my faith, if I decided one day that I wanted to get back into doing CrossFit-like things, but I also wanted to run marathons and I also wanted to do jiu-jitsu and I wanted to start restart the Virtuous Coach podcast and talk about anything that I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about relationships and grappling and have interviews and then bring my wife on and maybe talk with my kid and bring my team. If I wanted to do all that, it didn't matter what anybody else thought. I could start tomorrow. And um, this literally this show even coming back on again is a true reflection of that. Um, and again, I basically got, I had, I had about 150, you know, shows and interviews on this podcast previously. And when I canceled this over a year ago to pursue these other things, I lost $7,000. And I also lost all of the previous, you know, recordings and subscribers that I had before. And this is just me restarting over and just understanding that this mistake was cost me dearly. And it is what it is. Um, let me see here. 
Okay. This was the last lesson that I've had this year. And this came through a conversation with my nutrition coach. Um, so uh, the lesson was be careful, the labels you speak over yourself and the way you frame yourself. Um, I was speaking with Brandon and I basically said in one of my check-ins that I always eat poorly during Christmas. He reminded me that this put me into a box and held me in a pattern that I didn't need to be in. I don't need to always do or always be anything. I can change how I operate anytime I want. This goes perfectly with the last one, but through the nutrition context of just because you eat a certain way all the time, you can change it through the labels that you speak over yourself. So rather than me saying, I always eat poorly during Christmas, I could change that to, I don't eat poorly during Christmas. I could change that label and then assume the, assume the char- characteristics that go with that. So that was a, a cool reminder to me um, from a nutritional standpoint of how we speak about ourselves, how we speak over ourselves will ultimately shape the types of actions and the types of behaviors that we display in our day-to-day life. So my friends, if you have made it this far, you have heard every lesson and every failure that I have made in 2022 that resonated with me enough to write down and to basically document. There will be another one that I will make for 2023. And if you're listening to this show, just know that um, you're inevitably going to learn things and make mistakes this year. And that's okay. But it's important to learn from those mistakes and to take the lessons and to actually move forward. You can see through my list of things that in this past hour, I had multiple times where I had to reevaluate certain things that I needed to change already or that I had written down that I needed to change. And it, sometimes it would take me two or three times or two or three realizations, failures, or lessons to finally make those things stick for myself. And then even sometimes I'll you know, slip up on certain things that I failed on. So you guys, I hope that this was impactful to you. I hope that you are able to take you were able to write down some of the lessons that I learned and to implement them for yourselves and maybe learn from some of my mistakes, fully embracing that you're still going to make your own. Um, again, I hope this was valuable to you guys. I appreciate you following me on this journey. If you listened to this show previous and you're back again, I want to thank you for your time. I realize that your attention is and your time is the most valuable asset that you could ever give. And I, and I don't want to make sure that I just want you guys to know that I don't take that lightly and I will do the best I can to give you the most return on your time as possible. So thank you guys for listening and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for spending time with me today and tuning into the virtuous coach podcast. I release episodes every single week. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any. You can learn more about me by following me over at Instagram and Facebook at Coach Cody Smith. Lastly, and before you go, I would love your help. Please head on over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star rating and review. This is how we grow the show and continue to bring impactful information to you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you.